All right. Well, we have been in a series for some time. Of course, there's been different things we've covered, but um, it's still in a series called Honoring God in Our Finances. And uh, the previous messages are available online in multiple places, you know, our website, um, YouTube channel, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So you can go and listen to them. Uh, the scriptures on our website, if you go there uh, on each individual message, there's a place there that all the scriptures that we cover are available there in a couple formats and a PDF and a Microsoft Word format. You can download those, follow along. If something really spoke to you and you want those scriptures, you can go back and look at them. It's great to take notes, but just know those are all available. You, you don't have to furiously, you know, write every um, scripture reference down. Those are there for your benefit, so take advantage of them. Let's look at Matthew 6.25 this morning. It says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat. This is Jesus speaking. Or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Or you could say, how are we going to pay for this? Or how are we going to pay for this thing? Or how's this going to work? You know, don't, don't make this, well, that was 2,000 years ago. It doesn't really apply to us. No, it absolutely applies to us. Anybody that says, well, I don't care about money, you're either, I don't know, you, you, you live in a different world or just not wanting to be straightforward. We deal with natural stuff and money's a means of exchange. God knows that. He covered it in the Word, and that's why we cover it. Amen. And so Jesus is dealing with this. He's saying, hey, don't, don't live like this. Like, where's this going to come from? Where's that going to come from? Um, verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Verse 32, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, or those without God seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God knows what we need. He's not oblivious. The natural things of life are not like lost on God. He created us. He created the world. Now, there is a world system, and there is, uh, uh, the Bible calls Satan the god of this world. He's not the god. He is influencing this world. Don't have time to go into that. We've covered it a lot. The Bible, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls him the god of this world. The Bible says in 1 John, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You can clearly see that. The world is influenced by, by the enemy. And so the world system, the way things are done, and the way men and women operate on the earth, by a large part, is influenced by something other than God. It's true. So you see a lot of nonsense going on, a lot of stuff that's not godly. That's not all God's will. And so God knows we need things on the earth. He knows the natural stuff. He knows how to run a business more than any person. He knows what a marriage needs. He knows what our bodies truly need. Um, you know, people try to sell you all kinds of supplements and everything. Just be careful. Just, just, you know, stay in the center lane on these things. 
Don't go in the left ditch. Don't go in the right ditch. Yes, you need to eat healthy, but you don't need to go berserk either. God knows all the, the things that we truly need. He knows the real issues of life. And so Jesus is dealing with some of this. So verse 32, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His way of doing things, His, his way of uh, the way He's told us to, to live, to be right, His truth. And it says, all these things shall be added to you. So he just said, don't seek after the stuff. Don't make that the priority. He said, that's what people without God do. They go after all the stuff. He said, don't do that. Go after God and the things you need will be added to you. Amen? First Samuel 2 verse 30, this is the last part of that. It says, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Those who honor me, this is God speaking, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me, the word despise there actually means like at the end of that verse it says lightly esteemed. That's what despise means here. It does, we think of despise, usually when we, we uh, use it, it's kind of like, I despise that. But it means lightly esteemed. Those who lightly esteem me, and other translations say that, lightly esteem me shall be lightly esteemed. In other words, if people, if, if someone's like, eh, God, hmm, then, then how they'll be treated is, eh. But if we honor God, the Bible says we'll be honored. So he's number one. He's, the way, he's what we seek. And so we've been talking about some of the different aspects of that. Can't cover everything we've covered, obviously. If, uh, and those messages are available. But we've built on these things. So we, we've, we've uh, covered a number of truths and been building um, the things we're covering today are just truths that would transcend anything we've covered. And I uh, want to co- cover some specific things uh, regarding um, these truths today. John 10.10. 10. Let's look at John 10.10. 10. God's will is prosperity. God's will for us is prosperity for His people. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, through a number of aspects today. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, this is Jesus speaking, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is Satan. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you want to know, if if you just look around the world, anything that's stealing, killing, destroying, that's not God. That's not His will. Amen. this This is very clear, but there's a whole lot of religion in the earth that distorts this. They'll tell you God's the one that's the author of death. That he's the one that's stealing. They'll, say, they'll, they'll attribute things on the earth, horrible things, to God. That's just not true. Jesus is saying it. It's not true. The thief comes, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said why he came. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more 
abundantly. So that's what Jesus came. In every area, have life. Have it in abundance. Now, we talked about this uh, a lot. It, it doesn't just include money. Money is not life. Money is a means of exchange. The most important things in life are not money. Is that true? In fact, there are things that you, you get, they're worth more than any amount of money. Is that true? So money is just a means of exchange. Money is not evil. Money is not good. Money is neutral. It's how you use the money that it becomes evil or good. You know, there's money used for all kinds of dark things, and there's money used to bless people. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. God wants uh, His people to be blessed and to do good on the earth, he doesn't want the money to have them any more than you'd want one of your loved ones to want to seek money at the expense of themselves. That's not good. It's really just that easy. It's that simple. God doesn't have any problem with people having money. And if we're intellectually honest, the majority of the world, they want, I mean, having money is not a bad thing. It means you have all your needs met. It means you can help other people. It means that there's no lack. Look at the opposite, poverty. Who in their right mind would say that's a good thing? Can't, in the extreme form, don't even know where the next meal's coming from. That's not good. Nobody that's being honest thinks that's good. Having an abundance and having everything you need is a good thing. Having everything you need for anybody that you say you love, you would want them to have everything they need. Now, what you wouldn't want is for them going after money or something natural at the expense of things that are truly important. You wouldn't want that for somebody you love. Is that right? Well, God's the same way. On the other hand, if, if, somebody, if, if somebody that you love has all their needs met, has a great job, has plenty of money, able to, you know, they're serving God, able to be a blessing to those around them, able to, to provide for all their needs and help other people, that's a good thing. Well, that's, that's the way God, uh, that's God's heart too. So the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus came. He says that, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Well, abundant life includes all aspects. You know, you could, you could have money, yet your health is failing. I would not call that an abundant life. In fact, people trade any amount of money to get back their health. You see that all the time. Abundant life includes all aspects, but it includes material things as well. Relationships. You could have all kinds of money, but not have good relationships. <laughs> Take the relationship any day over money. Amen? But, why? but you don't have to choose. Just don't put the money first. That's, that's just uh, folly. John 10.10 10 in the New Living Translation says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Amplified Classic says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jesus is saying, this is why I came. That they may 
have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. John, uh, 3 John 2 It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Beloved, I, may, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Exactly what we were saying before. This is somebody writing to somebody they love. I, I, I pray that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. What's, that's God's heart. When you when you go to say you go up to, to, to talk to somebody, somebody calls you on the phone, hey brother, how how you doing? I hope you're doing well. Same thing. You wouldn't say, Man, I, I hope your life is falling apart. <laughs> Hang up the phone, or I guess we don't do that anymore. You know. <laughs> no, that's God's heart. Is for us to do well. So we're gonna go through some scripture this morning. It's just emphasizing that God's will is prosperity, is for people, is for His children to do well. It's all over the Bible. It, it is not God's will that we would not have things. It's God's will that we prosper. Now, people have twisted things, of course, because there is a devil in the world. And so truth gets distorted in every area. Have you noticed that? And people will take a truth, and a truth taken to an extreme becomes error. Did you hear me? And that's one of the hardest things for Christians, or humans, you could say. But you talk about Christian, Christian people think, well, you know, Christianity does this, or Christianity does this, or this person, you know, did some, emphasize something out of order. Humanity does that. Christians are just humans, they're not perfect, but God's truth is perfect, and if we'll stay with God's word, then we'll go down the middle of the road. If you get into people's opinions and philosophies, you will go off into the, the weeds. So there has, been, there has been distortions. And when you even say the word prosperity, it's tainted. It's kind of like the rainbow. Not going to go into this, but the rainbow, people, when they see the rainbow somewhere, now they, they, they associate it with things that are not godly, when God's the one that said, this rainbow is so that I, is a symbol to you that I will never destroy the, the earth by a, a flood anymore. But now people think it's, you know, representing other stuff, it's perversion. Not speaking on that this morning, but it's true. But prosperity, the word prosperity, people will talk about the prosperity gospel in a bad way. Like, ooh, that's bad. Now, have people overemphasized uh, finances in some realms? Yes, they have. Have they done stuff that has hurt people, taken funds and misrepresented and misused them? Yes, they have. Christians have done that. And you know what? It's given anything that has to do with money and uh, the prosperity of God's people, it gives it a, a, a bad um, connotation because of in, in what's happened 
in society and then people stamp like the words like prosperity gospel talking about if anybody would talk about God actually wanting you to do well, well, that's in their terms a bad, um, they're using it as a bad term, that's prosperity gospel. We want to we know what the Bible says. We want to know the gospel gospel. In any way, now, if, you're, if somebody's just emphasizing money over all else and, and making it all about money, the Bible clearly teaches against that. And we've talked about it. It's called covetousness. It's called greed. It's called envy. The Bible says, don't do that. And a lot of what's called the prosperity gospel is actually people talking about the Bible and what it says about prosperity, and then people... Um, don't like that, and we'll, we'll, we'll come against it, but sometimes what the people that are coming against it actually have different religious beliefs, and they've been taught, and they believe somehow that Christians, are, if they're really godly, are supposed to be poor, have nothing, and if they go after anything in the material realm at all, or have it, then they're somehow bad. And there's, there's segments of Christianity that believe that way. And so then they come against anything that would say the Christian can, is that God wants you to have everything you need and more to be a blessing. They say, somehow that's wrong. Well, we should, number one, let the Bible speak on these things. But number two, a lot of that is just intellectually dishonest. Because the same people will talk about not having stuff and you should be poor, go out the next day if they're in the secular realm, and try to get the best job they can and try to sell as much as they can if they own a business. If God wants you poor, then be poor. Be honest about it. Seriously. If I believed God wanted me to be poor and didn't want me to have everything, then I'd seriously have to look at and go, okay, that's what God wants, so I need to act like that. But a lot of people, they only believe it in church. But when they go out into the real world, they're looking to get as much money as they possibly can. And I'm not, that's not, that's not a, a, a bad thing if it's in proper priority order. You don't put the money first, you put God first. But there's nothing in the Word that says you can't have money and love God. What it says is, don't let the money have you, because the, it says, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, not money. Money just laying there, or in your bank account, or in some cryptocurrency, does nothing to anybody. It just sits there. People do wrong things. And people do really dumb things when they go in after money. They'll throw all kinds of right things aside and go after, they're going after money, and they're just oblivious to the truly important things in life. Well, okay, you know, and we've said some of these things, but in context, as we're talking about these this morning, we're just recapping on a few of these things to set the stage for what we're talking about, because there's is a lot in culture. Acknowledged. There's been, there's been things that have really hurt the witness of Christianity in the world. People have done wrong things with money. On the other hand, there's a lot of people that any time you talk about any of these things and look at what the Bible says about it, they'll label it somehow, well, that's prosperity gospel. That, that somehow is wrong. So we've asked this question. We read the first thing, you know, our first scripture says, 
the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Satan would be one that would want people to think that the, the, the church, the Christian, having money would be bad. Because then the purpose of God can't go forth. If God is almighty and knows everything about doing everything right, how would that compute? In other words, he knows exactly how to run the, right, the business, do the, make the right decisions, market, do everything right. How would that compute to having nothing? In fact, where do good, sound principles in all these areas come from? Just, mind, just man's minds and their ideas? Or are there right principles that are truth, and if you follow those, they lead to having things? So there, there are people that have done things. There, there's things that have given a bad witness to Christianity, but there also is a lot of just people stamping their own labels on anything that would talk about the church and money as if it's a bad thing, which gives the connotation nobody wants to talk about things. Nobody wants to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I think we should prosper because, again, people have put it out there, well, you must be greedy then. You must be wrong. That's not true. We have to differentiate, and let's be honest, and, and be intellectually honest, and, and be honest with ourselves when we look at the Word. What does it say? What's the truth concerning these things? And what may be something that's actually not biblical, that's trying to keep the church? I mean, keep the, keep the connotation in the public eye from having anything to do with anything material or monetary. Because, you know, some churches will not even talk about these things because they don't want people to get the wrong idea. Well, then you're just not talking about what the Word says. Should we just leave segments of the word that has to do with our life and how we should handle our finances and what God says about it aside because we're, we're afraid of what the world thinks? People without God? Well, that would mean we would just start whittling down the truth to what, what could you talk about? You want to know what the Bible says about it and what um, God's will is for these things. So let's read some scripture. Psalm 112, verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Fear doesn't mean run away in terror. Fear in this context means honor. Well, didn't we read earlier? He who honors me, I will honor. Notice what this says. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Stop right there. Leave that up. The person that fears the Lord. I did not write this. This has been along, uh, around longer than anybody in this room. It's Psalm 112. It said, The person that fears the Lord, that honors God, is going to be blessed. This says, Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. That's God's truth. Doing, going after God and doing things right, it, it, it doesn't lead to poverty. It leads to you having everything you need. 
Now, doing things the way he would have you do it includes putting him number one. It's the first commandment. Putting him first. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Up unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Verse 5, a good man, a good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. You can't lend if you don't have anything to lend. Verse 6, surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Psalm 1, verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2, But his delight is in the law, or you could say in our uh, day, in our covenant, the word of the Lord. But his delight is in the, the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord. All they had is the law at that point. We have the whole written word of God. And in his law, or in his word, he meditates day and night. Verse 3, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Talking about the, guy, the man, woman, that is uh, living according to the word of the Lord, goes after him, makes that his focus. It says, whatever he does will prosper. Again, this is the Bible saying whatever you, you, you do is going to prosper. That's going to mean it's going to do well. Yeah. The prosper is not a 2022 term. It's been around for a long time, and it means to do well, and that's what the Word teaches. Look at Psalm 35, verse 27. We need to be solid on these things. No, don't, be, don't hold your head down. You know, somebody sells talking about, about things that, you know, if you know, you use your judgment as far as who you're around in the company and friends or whatever, but you don't need to be timid like somehow you believe something that's heretical if you believe that God wants you to do well. That is the Bible. We ought to say, yeah, you, you know, you ought to serve God. You don't serve God for that reason, but some people have the idea that if you serve God, you got to take a vow of poverty. That's just not true. That's not the word. So that's the lie of the devil. That's, 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 those are, that's propaganda for the kingdom of darkness saying, don't go near God because, you know, you have to do all these things. No, the word of God is truth. And if people understand that, they realize they've been hoodwinked. You know, people, they go by what they, the headlines in the news. Well, this church is doing this and this church, they don't even necessarily read the article and the person that's reading the, the writing the article isn't necessarily godly either so it's it's all 
pushing against what the truth is, and so people get timid, like, gosh, I don't want to be associated with that. Like in so many other areas, the way it is in this day and age, don't believe the propaganda, believe the truth, and don't hold your head down because you believe the truth, but know what you believe that is based on the Word of God, and then just be bold about it. It doesn't mean you have to throw it in people's faces, but certainly don't cower and act like, you know, you're not supposed to believe something. No, you believe it. Yes, I serve the Almighty God. And yes, we're going to get the job done on the earth. Be bold about it. Psalm 35, verse 27. It says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Can you put the last page up? Let the Lord be magnified who has what? Great, you know, he's very upset. Great disgust. It says he has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, in the, New, in the New Testament, we are called, if we believe on the Lord Jesus, trust Him, confess Him as our Lord and Savior, accept what He did, we are called children of God. And the Bible says we have a better covenant than, than the old covenant. So, if the Lord has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant, how much more his children? Do you have pleasure in the prosperity of your children or loved ones? There isn't a person that is sane, that thinks right, as far as they're clearly thinking on the face of the earth, does not, does not, that does not want their loved ones to do well. Anything else is twisted. It's just true. If you love somebody, you want them to do well. And that would mean you don't want them to go off on the wrong direction. You want, but you want them. It, it would not bless any parent for so, their child to be destitute and have nothing. In fact, you would do everything you could to help them. Is that not true? Or, or your sibling or somebody that you saw, they don't have food. And it would be devilish for you to go, yeah, that serves you right, and not help them at all. Who would think that? That is wicked. Yet people ascribe that to God. That's not God. This is God. He said, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He has pleasure. I mean, he has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, of his child. Well, that means he wants, it brings him great satisfaction when that happens. Let's look at Isaiah 1, verse 19. It says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, this applies as a general principle. Isaiah is talking specifically to Israel at this point, but this is not in isolation. This would apply to us with, in relation to all these other scriptures we're reading. You shall, if you're willing and obedient, it doesn't say if you're willing and obedient, then you're going to be without, because that is my will for you to 
be in poverty. It says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. In the Amplified Classic, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the best of the land. In the Passion Translation, it says, if you have a willing heart to let me help you, if you will obey me, you will feast on the blessings of an abundant harvest. In other words, doing it God's way and following after Him does not lead to poverty. It does lead to abundance and prosperity. Now, we said this before. That does not mean you judge somebody's spirituality based on their bank account. We know that's not true. There are people who have millions or billions of dollars that, that, that reject God completely. There are people that have no money that reject God completely. There are people that have no money that love God, but maybe have bought the lie that they're not supposed to have anything and think that's okay. Or they've given into certain things and they're just not living. They're living under what God would want them for. That doesn't want them to have. That doesn't change what God's will is for them. Even just as much as if one of your children or one of your uh, loved ones wasn't living where they could be and was experiencing something else. That doesn't change the fact that you actually want them to do well, does it? And then, of course, there are people that have large bank accounts that are godly. So you can't judge somebody's spirit. You can't, don't, go to, don't go to extreme and make this the truth. And the measure of some, someone's spirituality is their bank account. That's not true either. You can't tell that. But it, one, doesn't, it just having one of those situations doesn't lead you to a certain conclusion. Well, they're a Christian and, and they have money, so they must be doing something wrong. It's not true. Any more than somebody that's not a Christian. Well, they have a lot of money. They must be doing something wrong. That isn't, that's not true. But the, the principle is God's will, what He wants for people, is to do well, is to have their needs met. That is the truth. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, we'll just read these. We've read these before, but just so you can see it in the context of everything we're reading. Proverbs 3, 9, if you go back just a few there. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Notice what it says. It's just like we read in Isaiah. You're doing what God would have you to do, and something happens. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. So you're honoring Him. We read in Samuel, Honor the Lord and you will be honored. Here it says, verse 9, if you can leave it up, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your, and your vats will brim over to, with new wine, saying, you're serving him, and this will happen. So that means, that's, he would, if he wanted it a different way, he'd say, yeah, you serve me, you just never know. You know, no, I mean, I might fail your business. I might make it succeed. That's not what, that's not consistent with the word. And if we believe that, then if we have pressure in our life financially, it's, it, you, you can just say, well, I don't know, maybe this is God's will. We don't, we don't want to be in that situation. We, we want to know what the word of God says so we can stand up strong in the middle of adversity and say, no, this circumstance is subject to change. This is God's will. He wants me to do well. And so I'm going to go after him and I'm going to believe that he'll do what he said. Malachi 3 verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. Notice the language. 
bring all the tithes, tithes is 10%, into the, the storehouse, that there be maybe food in my house, and, now, and try me now in this. It's like saying, I dare you. It says, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's saying, you, you follow what I've told you to do and try me if this won't happen. That's God's truth. That's His will. Look at Psalm 92, verse 12. Psalm 92, verse 12. It says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Just look at the language. Think of what we, just if we're honest and we look at what we, um, the way we want things to go on the earth. When you plant a garden, you don't want it to be like, come out and everything's dead. That's not the reason you planted the garden. You would want it to flourish. Right? I mean, if, just, if we're talking about what people do on the earth, when you put your hand to something, you don't expect it. Well, just never know. I mean, a garden may do well, may, may do bad. I don't know. You just, maybe God doesn't want my garden to grow. That, that, you know, you better know that whether you're not, you're supposed to do certain things, but the idea that somehow you could be doing what God would have you to do and somehow he cut your legs out from under you, you wouldn't work with anybody like that. Really. If you had a business partner or somebody, I mean, if they're a business partner, you better uh, do some serious thinking. But if you were trying to go forward and do something well and they're just working behind the scenes, behind your back to undermine what you're doing, you don't want to be partners with them. You don't want somebody at work to be like that. And then, but people will, will somehow, there's teaching that somehow God's like that. You can serve Him with everything you have, but you just don't know. Where does that come from? That's not the Bible. It's, that's actually blasphemy. It's, it's actually, if you were to talk about somebody else like that, another human being, and say they did that when it's not true, you get in trouble for that. I mean, you, you don't, that is very wrong, but people do that to God all the time. Verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. That's strong, secure. Verse 13, those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in an old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Psalm 128, let's read this and then we're going to go to Deuteronomy. Just read several verses there. But Psalm 128 says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord, who follow all, all who follow His ways. You will enjoy the fruit of the, your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. Amen. See, this is not in just one place. Notice you're following God, how joyful and prosperous you'll be. You, you, God, uh, He delights in the prosperity of His servant. You're going to be planted is you're planted in the house of God, you're going to flourish. This is, you, this is the, way, uh, the way, that's God's ways. 
Verse 3, your wife will be like a uh, fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. Let's look at Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Notice this is um, just laying out to Israel... If they'll follow God, do, just follow Him, do His ways, what will come to pass? Verse 1, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3, blessed you shall be in the city, and blessed you shall be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, and the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall, shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Skip down to verse 11, just for the sake of time. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you as good treasure, the heavens to give you the rain uh, to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. It is God. He's saying, if you do what I tell you, this good will come on you. His will is for, if, he, if, if you're doing what he told you to do, and then he says good will come on you, that means that's his will. Otherwise, he'd say, if you do what I tell you to do, flip a coin, because I don't know. Or he'd say, if I do what I tell you to do, you, it may go bad. But what he actually says, we're not going to take time to read it, but in the verses right after this, he says, but if you don't follow him, and then he starts saying all these curses that are going to come on you for, for not following him. Those bad things are actually a curse, not a blessing. They're not good things. They're bad things that happen not when you're serving him, when you're not serving him. It is God's will that we actually prosper and have an abundance and have everything we need. Let's close with this. Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You have that one? Philippians 4.19, just in the New King James. It says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your need. All your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 
That's His will. Amen. He wants us to have everything we need. He wants us to have a full supply. He wants, and we went over a lot of these things in other um, messages, but, and we talked about it today. He doesn't want you to go after other stuff. He wants you to go after Him. And there are natural things involved as we do this. But His will, his, if you were to say, what is His uh, perfect will? What is His uh, top if your, your life that looks the way he would want to look, it involves prosperity and abundance. That is his way. His, doing things his way leads to these things, leads to us having everything we need. It is never his will for us to be in poverty or lack or sickness or disease or have things broken down or in death. Those things are not of him. Amen. 